Hey, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with me, Rob Kosberg. Every week, I interview thought leaders and experts who have used the book to grow their income and their impact. So tune in weekly for these interviews so you can learn how to use your own best-selling book and go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted. All right. Hey, welcome everybody. Rob Kosberg here with another episode of our Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. As usual, I have a great guest for you today. Uh, Brandon Fong is the best-selling author of the book Leverage. We're going to talk quite a bit of that, even though that book was written a few years ago. Uh, he's uh, the host of the Seven Figure Millennials podcast, which uh, he actually had me on, which, you know, I'm not sure about that, seeing as I'm not a millennial. But it was awesome being on the show and uh, really grateful about that. Uh, the podcast is all about helping heart-centered, impact-driven entrepreneurs to prioritize their happiness, health, relationships uh, while making their big dreams of reality. Uh, every week, interviews uh, New York Times bestselling authors, TED speakers, seven, eight, and even nine-figure entrepreneurs, an occasional Hollywood legend, uh, Air Force <laughs> pilot, Olympian, drug dealer, convict, <laughs> Harvard fellow, or even a shark, uh, Brandon. Uh, great to have you on. Really excited to chat with you today. Rob, super excited to be here and hanging out with everybody that's listening with us today. Awesome. You know, there's a lot to, to chat about. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful that you came on the podcast today because you've really done some cool things with your book. You really are a believer in uh, creating great relationships, building your network, um, and building your platform at the same time with both your book and, of course, your podcast now. Maybe if you could give us a little background. You wrote the book uh, some time ago, but some amazing things have happened with the book. So talk a little bit about the book. Give us some background. Yeah, I'd love to start actually a little bit before that, and I'll, I'll introduce Great. the book, but I'd lo love to start by how I actually got into the whole entrepreneurial world to begin with. So I want to start by taking everyone back 13 years ago. We're at Wisconsin Hills Middle School, and we're all sitting in Mrs. Dentisi's classroom, right? I think we were working on a project about Egyptian mummification, but I remember very specifically, everybody's kind of staring at the clock, waiting for it to hit 11.35, I think it was, because that was the time everybody got to go to lunch, right? And so the bell rings. Every, all my classmates jump to their feet and they sprint to the door, but there's one kid that is hanging behind everybody, kind of dragging his feet, not too happy about going to lunch. And if you haven't guessed, that, that kid was me. And so you may be wondering, why would any sixth grader not be excited to go to lunch, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the reason why is because I would go through the lunch checkout line. I'd have my plastic tray with the chicken nuggets, the curly fries, whatever healthy, nutritious meal was on sale for the day, right? I'd go through and then I'd be waiting and, you know, my friend Matt would go through and he would type in his meal and it would show $5. And then Kate would go through and then her salad and it would show $7 or whatever. And then like my heart's beating faster and faster. And I'd put in my student ID and then it would show up on the screen, Brandon Fong, free lunch, $0 and zero cents. Mm. So that to me was like the, I, I, I avoided that at all costs. Some days I would hide out in the bathroom because wow. I, the, the school was like a wealthier school district. And so I felt like an outsider. I didn't want any of my friends to know that I was on that free lunch program and that we were struggling. So that was a really painful experience for me. And that was 13 years ago. But if I look back at it now, that is something that I'm insanely grateful for because it was that experience that really inspired me to start looking at things in non-traditional ways and how I could start an entrepreneurial journey, even if I was really little. So there's a longer version of that story, but I want to cut to what is relevant to everybody that's hanging out with us today. Because I know, Rob, every single person that is listening to our voices right now, they heard you in the intro where you say that 
tune in weekly so that you can learn how to use your best-selling book to go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted, right? So I, one of the things that I did is I published a book when I was 20 years old. And so that, that so there, there's a kind of a cut, cutting of that story, the free lunch there, but I want to jump to this part because it's where it's relevant. Um, but I wrote that book. It's called Leverage, Escape the College Rat Race, Design the Life You Want, and Take the Real World by Storm. And that was, I wrote that when I was 20. And if I were to po- pinpoint one decision that I made that really helped me to kind of network and build some of the connections that I've had and get into rooms with seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs. And I was like 22 years old. It was this book right here. So I would love to dive into what you talk about, Rob, because I know when we interviewed, it's just like, once the book is published, it's not about the book anymore. It's about how you leverage that book to open the doors to opportunities. So my goal is to really share a little bit more of the nitty gritty about how I was able to kind of leverage that and help people out with how to use their best selling book today. You know, I love your uh, focus on serving the audience, and uh, I really appreciate that. Look, right out of the gate, you telling that story, which I don't recall us talking about that when we talked previously, and I was on your podcast. Of course, that was you more uh, interviewing me, so I, I didn't hear that. But that that touches me, and uh, you know, I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to spend a little bit more time on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I feel like we live in a world that is you know, ever focused on removing any kind of pain or difficulty from people. And um, in whatever way, uh, whether changing our language or canceling people because of, you know, things that were said or done years, in some cases, decades ago. And yet, you know, you point to one really painful maybe not individual experience, but kind of ongoing set of experiences because of one thing as like this catalyst to you making incredible change in your life. First of all, there are people listening to this podcast that are 50 years old. And they've been wanting to write a book for 20 years and haven't done it. <laughs> you did it at 20 years old. So talk a little bit more about your motivation. Talk a little bit more about how you know times like that created this this catalyst moment in you to do what you've done, you know, at 25. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate the really kind words. First of all, Rob, I I would say it was a combination of not having the financial resources growing up, but I also had the best parents on the planet. They were super into self-improvement, super into playing at higher levels. There are a few things, I guess I'll share a few things that my dad shared with me at a very early age that I think set the stage for you know, some of the stuff I've been able to do. The first thing is that I'm a billiards player. So I was playing pool since I was like four, I think my dad says, but like, if you can, if you can imagine a little kid bringing a stool around because he's not tall enough to see above the table. And then my dad unscrewed half of a pool cue and I had the top half (laughs) because when you're you're four, you can't really, but like one of the things that my dad taught me from a very early age is that you never want to play with people that are at your level or below. You always want to play with people that are at higher levels than you. Like it's a good thing to learn from people that are further ahead from you and to lose and leverage those learning opportunities to really move forward. So I think it's something that people hear a lot, right? Like you listen to this right now, you probably heard some variation of of that, but to hear that and have it programmed in me at such an early age was massive. And another thing that my dad taught me is that the worst thing that people can say to you is no. And again, another thing that you've heard this, you absolutely heard this right now. You can hear it conceptual or, or you can hear it as an adult, but when you're, when that is like your understanding of the world from when you're little, it makes a huge difference. So like it was a combination of me not liking what was going on, but also a combination of having my dad that was doing things like that. My mom that, that taught me how to win all the time. I was always the kid that had the best freaking Valentine's day things. You know, when you were in first grade, like all the little kids just got the store bought candy stuff. My mom 
made a teddy bear balloon for every single kid. Wow. You know, can you imagine how much time that took? My dad thought she was crazy, but really I look back at it now. It's because, you know, she, sh- she taught me it was always about going above and beyond and creating experiences for people. So that's a little bit, I think, of where it comes from, Rob. Hopefully that answers the question is I, I give a lot of credit to my parents. And um, yeah, and I, was there a second component to that question? Or did I just go to the deep end there? <laughs> no, no, that's really good. I mean, I uh, look, I being a, a dad to, to three boys and, um, you know, knowing how difficult it is, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is being a dad and also the most rewarding and I've been married for a long time. And so, you know, I hear the things you're sharing and it encourages me. It motivates me. These are some of these things are things that I've tried to instill in my own kids, you know, to, to not be afraid of failing, for example, which maybe is similar to what you shared about your dad saying, you know, look, what's the worst thing that can happen? They say, no, what's the big deal there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and removing that fear of rejection, which, man, if you can find a way to to remove that, holy cow, then, then the sky is the limit. But let me just pivot for a second because you shared about the pain being the catalyst, and then now you've added to that the element of you had a very loving, encouraging, and wonderful environment um, growing up. You know, how much do you think – you know, not not that I want you to put a percentage on each, but you know, uh, there are people experiencing pain all the time, and yet they don't respond the way you responded. And and mm. I've been through terrible, painful times in my life, and of course, responded in certain ways that others don't as well. And you will be right. I mean, it's it's just a you know, this is part of what life is. So you mm-hmm. know, how much would you maybe? Uh, as a percentage or, you know, just in your own heart and mind, how much would you say, you know, it was really the positive environment that led me to making the choices and the decisions that I did? Or it's 50-50 or, you know, I don't even know if this is a good question. Yeah. I hope you know where I'm no, going with it. I do. And you know what? I'll answer that in, a, in an interesting way is because I, you know, the, the free lunch thing was something that was never talked about. Like we never really talked about this as a family. And uh, I would say... A few months ago, I had a conversation with my younger brother and I, I was just, I just decided to ask him, I'm like, Hey, how did you interpret this experience? <laughs> and so maybe this will answer the question because it's like same environment, same parents or whatever. So I was like, what did this mean to you growing up? And he was like, I thought it was awesome. Free lunch. Like I gave, I gave some of my free lunch to my friends and I traded it. And I was like, that is so interesting. Cause it's like, you know, same brother, you know, not same brother, but like, you know, similar situations. And it was completely. So to be honest, like, I don't really know what it was. I don't, I don't know if you can ever really pinpoint it. There's obviously, you know, just this morning, my, I I was hanging out with some little kids that my wife spends a lot of time with. And uh, it's just like, you look at them and it's just like, you can have two people that are in the same exact family, but they they behave and react to things completely differently. So not a percentage, uh, but I I would attribute, I guess there's obviously a component that's the environment, but there's, there is something that you can't attribute that comes from each person that we're born with. That's really good. You know, Jim Rohn always told the story about, you know, the moment that he, you know, kind of, decided to change his life was this moment that, you know, a Girl Scout came to his door to sell him Girl Scout cookies and he didn't have any money. And he lied to the Girl Scout and said, oh, I just bought, you know, whatever, a bunch of, you know, Thin Mints or whatever it is. 
And, uh, and then he closed the door and cried and, and felt so ashamed of himself because, you know, he was so broke that here he was lying to a Girl Scout and he basically vowed to himself that he'd never be in that position mm. again. So, you know, it's just interesting to me what are the catalysts in people's lives to either send them in one direction or potentially in a maybe a negative direction uh, that, you know, I think in, at any time, I think we need to pay attention to what's going on in our lives and and the pain and and the, the feelings that we're experiencing because if we kind of I guess recognize them as an opportunity rather than just a feeling or just an experience but an opportunity to maybe do something different with our life who knows who knows what we could do and what we could become and how many people we could help and all of that so yeah, that doesn't I, have a I whole would, bunch to do with publish from profit but i think it's no that's this is such an important conversation so i'm more than happy to go there. i know this wasn't exact we're not talking about maybe we can get to some of the yeah. leverage in the book but i would say that if i were to pick out a theme in all the people that i've interviewed on my podcast and like you said in the intro i'm very grateful to say that i've been able to interview some really high level people and if i were to like if, if i were to kind of isolate a few of the common things that have come up over and over and over again lots of it is i will say alignment equals velocity like it's it's really lots of the successful people have been able to look back at their past and understand what always made them who they were and build a business or be in more alignment with what they were always naturally doing. So that's thing number one. But thing number two is being able to rewrite and reinterpret what those stories really mean. Because honest to God, I'd say a little bit before COVID, but you know, I'll say just for making this evergreen, about a year ago is really when I started digging into this story. Like I never used to tell the free lunch story. Like I would never tell it to my wife now, like sharing it on a podcast was like a completely crazy thing the first time I did it. But it's like, but I have rewritten that story to mean something entirely different than what it meant prior to a year ago. So like, if you're listening to this right now, and you haven't explored some of those things, there are seeds of genius laying and just sitting in your past that if you can really take the time to understand what drives you because there is so much subconscious, I think, in our brains that is really at, at the forefront of our decisions while we may not realize it. Yeah. Um, so there are these kind of invisible scripts that are running. So I would highly encourage anybody to see if you can get more in alignment with what was in your past. And even the ugly stuff that you don't want to touch, that is a, a great gold mine to turn into something that can serve you instead of hurting you. You know, I love that. And there's something cathartic for people about writing a book. And I mm-hmm. think we're even touching on it because like you, I've met and befriended many very, very successful people. And I don't know a single one that didn't have some really difficult experience in their life that they came through that now they look back on as like the most positive and powerful experience of their life because of how they responded to it. In fact, that's really how you shared the story of the free lunch, right? You, you shared it in the sense that this was a really positive and powerful moment. To a lot of people, though, maybe that don't as purposefully like think through those elements, those times in their life, it doesn't become anything, right? It, mm-hmm. it simply is another scar, right? Instead of like this pivotal moment that can actually transform somebody's life, right? So that's, you know... So many people write a book because they want to tell their story. When you start digging into your story, you're going to be confronting these painful moments in your life. So it's good. Yeah, really yeah good. it's great. And uh, for those that haven't published your book yet, absolutely. What Rob said is you're going to you're gonna have to dig through some stuff because obviously storytelling is what you're doing inside of the book. It's the, it's like the premise of the whole thing is leveraging your experiences to really make it more real for your audiences. And so 
just sit in that and and recognize it as a really beautiful opportunity. And I think you're right. It's very therapeutic to write a book <laughs> because you do have to kind of dig through those things. So absolutely. Love it. Well, hey, that's a good segue. Let's move over to the book now. So For sure. talk to me about the book. Look, 20 is still really young. My youngest son is 20 and he works with me and I love being with him. I love spending time with him. I love seeing him grow. And so that's really young to write a book. And yet you had the focus and the passion and the determination to do it and even better to use it. So talk mm-hmm. to me about how you used it. Talk to me about some of the results from it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So where do I really start as the pivotal point? So let's say I, so I published the book. Lots of things have started to come full circle really, which really just kind of shows, shows things. So one of the things that was really powerful is I actually ended up getting an endorsement from Kevin Harrington on this book. I know Kevin's been on your show and I recently interviewed Kevin as well, which was kind of cool to see that come full full circle. But the story behind that is I was in an audience. Kevin gave a keynote and he talked about the importance of publishing a book. And here I was in the middle of writing mine. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what an opportunity. And so, uh, and, one of the things I did is instead of uh, getting mobbed, having Kevin get mobbed by everyone is I wrote something on a piece of paper and I handed it to him. I shook his hand and then I followed up with his assistant. And I think that that's kind of what led to that. But getting the endorsement from Kevin, I also got an endorsement from Aaron Kennedy, the founder of Noodles and Company on the book, which was great thing. So then I was able to say, here I am, a 20 year old kid. I wrote a book. I got endorsements from Kevin Harrington and uh, Aaron Kennedy. And so I'd say the first biggest thing that I leveraged the book for, that this is the thing that absolutely changed my life is I had really respected an entrepreneur. His name is Jonathan Levy. He has a TED Talk podcast with 4 million downloads, 250,000 students now in his online courses. But I was a college senior and I, I saw all the stuff that he was doing. And so I reached out to him and I leveraged the fact that I published a book, got the endorsements to really kind of get noticed. Uh, and I, I told him, I was like, hey, I really love the work that you're doing. Here are two specific ideas that I have that could really help grow your brand. Um, and I, I want to do them for you. And I don't want to be paid for it at all. And I think that the book really is what made it stand out is the fact that I was, you know, it separates me from any of the other college graduates. But that kind of opened the door to me being in his world. You know, that one project turned into me running his marketing for three years. I helped add over 150,000 students to his online courses, 1.5 million downloads to the podcast and all that kind of stuff. And that is when Jonathan got into this high-end mastermind called Genius Network. It costs $25,000 a year to be a part of. You need to be making at least seven figures, seven, eight, nine entrepreneurs in there. And then I got to go to Genius Network representing Jonathan's company. And that's how I got into the room as the youngest person in Genius Network at age 22, around seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs. And so I look back at like some of the credibility points and I even pulled up the email before I we started recording this just to make sure, but the book was a main component of me mentioning and building my authority. And so since then... Since understanding how it's worked with Jonathan, since networking with people at a high level and Genius Network, since getting these incredible people on my podcast, I've developed these strategies to really leverage and build, take take what you've already built and leverage that to open the doors to incredible conversations with people. So, you know, we can talk a little bit. I have a, a three part framework we could even go into and about how people can leverage the book to get on podcasts, how they can open the doors to great conversations. But yeah, it's it's really a key. But like you have to figure out the different doors that it's going to unlock if you really want to use it to its best ability. Well, that was a great teaser. Of course, I want the three-part <laughs> framework. So give it to me. I, I want to hear yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this has grown and evolved uh, for, for years. I've tested all this kind of stuff. And I was, a, I was the guy that was running Jonathan's email list with over 100,000 people. So I had this like kind of laboratory to kind of experiment with copywriting and develop how to really 
you know, make people take action and inspire them to take action. So let me back up and say, though, that the most important thing before this whole thing is really having a way to add value to people. And I will say in a no strings attached kind of way, like it shouldn't be kind of a tit for tat, I'm going to reach out to you and I want something out of you kind of a thing. And that's for me, why the podcast is so podcasting isn't right for everyone. I'll say that. But for me, having a way of featuring someone on a top 2.5% podcast and, and sharing all the cool people that have been on the show as well is a great way to open the door to an incredible conversation with someone. And so if you could think about your podcast or your book as a way to you know, share people, there's ways that you can add value to them and get them into your world and not really expect anything in return. I'd say that's the underlying feeling here is we're really just trying to deliver massive value to the people that we respect. So I'll say that first and foremost. The second foundational thing before we get into the three things is that the entire goal of this message is to get them to respond. That's it. And I call this the magic connection method process. So, so many people, whenever, and Rob, you get emails all the time, you get people reaching out on LinkedIn all the time. And it's like, Hey, you know, <laughs> it's like a shoving things down your throat. Yes. Like, the, it's like, I don't even know who you are. And like, right. you're giving me all this crap. Like, yeah. why should I even care? And so, so the whole goal is just to get them to respond, just to open the door to an incredible relationship. So that's the foundations. Now let's move into the, the three parts. So there's three parts. There's the hook, the irresistible offer and the no oriented question. So we'll dive into the very first part of the message is the hook. So the number one mistake that people make when they reach out to someone is they make it about them right? And it makes sense. You would think that I need to show how important, how cool I am, and maybe even mention your book right away. But that's really not what we want to do yet is we want to make it about the person that we are reaching out to. It's about them. They don't care about they don't care about you yet. So you know, if I'm listening to the publish promote profit podcast, I might say, Hey, Rob, listen to episode 27 with uh, Kevin Harrington. And I, I loved it when you specifically shared this thing and I was able to apply it and got this result. Thank you so much. Love it. And so like, that just, I mean, that separates you from 99% of the people that already sent an email because it's like, More you, than that. You, cl- you clearly took the time to yeah. research them. It wasn't a, hey, I like your podcast, right. which could easily be a, po- a copy and paste thing. Like, hey, I listened to this episode. I loved it. So have you gotten results from their advice? Do you have a mutual connection with them is huge. Um, so even if you're appearing on other podcasts, you can look at the mutual guests that you've had and all that kind of stuff. Um, but really, it's it, have you gotten results from their advice? Do you have mutual connection? How did you hear about them? What did you find impressive about them? Something that share, shows that you did the research on them. Good. And I'll also say this is one to three sentences max. That's it. There's something I call the stalker line. Don't cross the stalker line because no one wants to get the <laughs> thing where it's like, hey, Rob, I saw you posted on Instagram that you had... Playbooks Rancheros for lunch the other day, right, and right, it looks so beautiful, right. and your kids look great, and your dog's name is Bo. Then it's just like, okay, or, whoa, or the people is, that is... go on your Facebook page and like thirty <laughs> videos, and they, it's like, whoa, <laughs> block, block, delete, man. <laughs> yeah, so w- one to three sentences showing that they care, and then I've been talking for a little bit, so I'll pause for a little bit. Rob, is there anything else you want to say before we go into the next start? No, I part? love that. I uh, maybe the only thing that I'd mention is that uh, this sounds to me like something that I could, you could use. <laughs> On virtually any social media platform, sounds yep. like you could use it on LinkedIn in, in messaging and connections. Sounds like you can use it uh, in a DM on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, et cetera, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's any place you're trying to open the door to a conversation with someone. Cold so email that, as well, that, something like that. Yep. Great. Yeah. And I'll even say some of the cold email campaigns I've sent for getting on podcasts. And I have I have something pulled up right here. Let me just make sure I have the stats correct. So on this campaign I sent, I got uh, 90% open rate. And a 55% response rate. Wow. Uh, so, so like that's some of the things when you're sending and let's, let me just pull up another random one. See, this one was a 96% open rate and a 50% response rate. And this Give other me the one was a line. I want the subject line. 
<laughs> a great question. Let me find the subject line. Um, it would be publish, promote profits, number one episode, question mark. That was the one I used using the name of the podcast. So, and some of it is following up too. So I'll, I'll talk about some of that as important nice. as well. But anyways, this stuff, if you want to get on podcasts, if you want to open the doors to, you know, PR experiences or even just other strategic partnerships for promoting your book, if you're doing a free plus shipping offer, again, like this, this is kind of getting your gears turning as to where you can use this. So now they read the hook. They know that you care about them, <laughs> which is the most important thing. The second part is the irresistible offer, right? And so now what we want to do here is I'll share a quote by Dean Jackson that I think is so incredible. He's a really well-known marketer for those of you who don't know him, but he says a compelling offer. Awesome. So Dean talks about how a compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. And I think that that's such a powerful line. And think about this too. I think a great great example of this is, is, Rob, you've probably seen those commercials for selling mattresses online, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So most people have seen those things. But so think about it. They, they basically use an irresistible offer to kind of grow that entire business. Because if you look at the old model, it was like, if you're going to buy a mattress, you go into the store, you have your shoes on, and there's a salesman, and you have to kind of awkwardly lay on top of a mattress. <laughs> right. And you're like, am I going to spend a few grand on this and sleep in this for the next 10 years? That's the old model. The irresistible offer that these new internet companies created was let's take this quiz and we will ship the mattress to you. You can sleep in it for a hundred, hundred nights. You know, you get all cozy in your PJs with your dog. And if you don't like it, you can return it. Right. That's an irresistible offer, right? So, right. so like, that's kind of what we're trying to get here is, and, and the keys of this irresistible offer is, can you minimize risk for them? Can you position it so they have a lot to gain and make it easy for them to say yes? So those are three really good things. And so again, this goes back to like, if you have a no springs attached way of adding value to someone like a podcast, yeah. it's like, Hey, you know, like I feel so blessed to say that I've had Rob Cosberg and Kevin Harrington on my show. And a, a, like you said, the beginning Andre Norman, who was a drug dealer turned Harvard fellow and all this other crazy stuff, you know, like, and I want to feature you on the show. That is an irresistible offer because there's really like not much else that they can, I mean, besides giving away a little bit of their time, it's like I'm making them look really good. And then there's other stuff you can do as well. So think about that for you. What is that for you that you can do to add value to someone inside of this irresistible offer? So I'll pause again before we go into that last part, because I know as an interviewer, it's always nice to kind of get your word in if you want to say something. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I repeat the first two steps again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, great. Because we we've talked a lot, and I want to make sure people get this crystallized. Yeah. Space repetition is great. Okay. So hook. We open the line with the email. Hey, Rob, listen to episode twenty-seven with Kevin Harrington. Love I loved it when Kevin shared his episode about the story about how he turned the black bars on the screen to like actually inventing the infomercial because of the right. Discovery Channel. Thank right. you so much for sharing that. Besides, wanted to share that with you, and then that's when you can kind of transition into the other part of the message. And we can use podcasting, like getting on a yeah. podcast, yeah. as a way as an example. So it's like I feel so blessed to say that I've been able to interview all these people and you know talk a little bit about. So that's where you could maybe talk about your book. That's the first time where you mention a little bit about yourself. I like to say, I feel so blessed to say that blank, instead of just saying I'm so cool, like I think expressing some form of gratitude uh, for what you've been able to do frames it a little bit differently. Um, but the irresistible offer that I created for for getting on podcasts is like, I know you're busy. So I came, I did some of the legwork and I came up with three topics I'm confident your audience would love. And I put that together in a Google Doc. So like that, that's kind of part of the irresistible offer is like, I, I, I know who you are and like I put some research ahead of time and what's relevant for your audience. So Great. like that is uh, the irresistible offer I created for that. So now the hook, irresistible offer, the last part is the no oriented question. So this comes from another person I respect. His name is Chris Voss. If you haven't read or heard about his book, Never Split the Difference, he was an ex-FBI hostage negotiator. And uh, one of the things that stuck out for me 
in his book is he talks about how every single day we have a finite amount of yeses that we can give, right? Because every single time you say yes, you're giving away your time, your energy, your effort, money, you're giving something away whenever you say yes. But on the other hand, it's a lot easier to say no to something because you feel more in control. You feel like you're not being pushed into something. So I've experimented with this. It's not like a, you can't ask a normal question, but I found that no oriented questions work really well. So it's like, if we're going back to the email that I was just talking about the hook, I know they know I care about them. I created this Google doc that shares all this incredible stuff that's relevant for their audience. A hundred percent up to you, but would you be opposed to me sending over the Google doc for you to check out? That's it. Like just end with the question, don't add anything else because you got to think about this from a skimmer's perspective too. What are the emails inside of your email inbox? Listen to this right now that you haven't responded to. They're the complex ones, right? They're the ones that you have to think about it. You have to go away. You have to, you know, like those are the ones that you've been ignoring for forever. They never get responded to. You can easily skim this and see that it ends with a question and just say, hey, yeah, go ahead and shoot the shoot the Google Doc over and open the door to the conversation. So that's a, it in a nutshell is the hook, irresistible offer, no oriented question. And you can kind of plug this into, like you were saying, into many different opportunities to open the door to incredible people. And if you want to multiply that as well, you can also start to take these relationships you developed and get referrals from them as well and really get double down as well. I love it. And for those that are listening, just just think about this. If you're an author and you want to book yourself speaking engagements, this is a very simple framework to to send and connect with people that are uh, event planners, people that are in charge of conferences or associations. If you want to get yourself on media, obviously we've been talking specifically about getting on a podcast, but this would work with anything. This would work with perhaps uh, you know um, a guest article or blog contributor or. Uh, even something like television or radio. So, so love it. Really, really simple, really clean, uh, and a great way for you to, I like calling it lead with the giving hand. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, uh, you know, giving some thanks, you're giving some praise, you're, you're letting them know that you're not trying to sell them on anything. And then, you know, you're in essence closing with, a very uh, kind of non-in-your-face, you know, here's an opportunity and great. If you're interested, great. And if not, fine. Yeah. And I would also say too, like, this isn't any news for anyone, but following up is so, so important. You know, yeah. it's like lots of the times when I shared those response rates, it's like, I, I, I had to run the numbers again, but I think the majority of those responses come from multiple follow-ups, right? Yeah. So like, that's an important thing too, is like, yeah. sometimes people think about, oh, I'm going to craft this perfect message and it's going to save the world for me. But lots of the times the following up, and there's a good way to be persistently, like pleasantly persistent is what I've been complimented for, like on following up with nice. people. So there's a right... There's a right and a wrong way to do it, but I've been, many people are like, wow, I'm so grateful that you followed up. And normally you don't hear that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so like, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And sometimes it takes uh, quite a bit, but so if you're in it for the right reasons, you have your heart in the right spot and you are really just trying to help the person in front of you. I mean, if you can come at it from that perspective, there's not much that can really go wrong. And it goes back to what my dad said before. The worst thing they can do is say no. <laughs> right. Dude, I, I love it. You are, um, you've given a, a masterclass here in, uh, <laughs> connecting with people that you don't know. Thank you for that. I love it. You're a really impressive individual and I love what you've accomplished even, you know, at just 25. And I think the, you know, the sky is the limit for you. So let's give our folks, uh, some ways to connect with you. Like maybe let's talk about your podcast or any links that you want to give so that people can learn more about you, connect with you. 
Yeah, really appreciate that, Rob. Yeah, so I don't know when this is coming out. We'll have to discuss. But by the time this comes out, depending on if it's in the next month-ish, Rob's episode yep. should be live. So if you want to jump into, you know, wherever you're listening to this right now, if you just type in Seven Figure Millennials, you can find the podcast. And hopefully Rob should be live there. But I think Rob shared some stuff that he doesn't talk about that much. Like like one thing that stuck out for me is when he talked about how six of his friends moved across the country to live live all together. So if you want to find out why Rob did that and the incredible relationships, lifelong relationships he's built yeah. with people, I think that that was a really beautiful thing that we were able to kind of talk about. And that, and of course, we talked about published remote profit. So if you want a review of all the key elements of the system, and uh, it's always good. It's a, it's a great book. So I would highly recommend people to check that out. But besides that, yeah, like I said, I, I like to pull interviews from people that wouldn't typically be associated with the entrepreneurial space and really help them and pull out the keys about prioritizing the most important things. So I mean, I did an interview with an Olympian, a decorated air fighter pilot, you know, just a handful of like really crazy people. So go check out seven figure millennials for that. Um, And if you want a recap of all the stuff we talked about, and also my tool on how to get referrals from the people that you open the relationships with. If you go to sevenfigurmillennials.com slash start, I'm 99% sure that's a link, uh, 99.99, sevenfigurmillennials.com slash start. You can opt in there and you get a recap of what we talked about today with the Magic Connection Method, plus how to even take it to the next level if you want those kind of referrals and developing uh, opportunities where you just have so many people that are coming into your world. It's just a product of you coming from the right spot and, and helping people. Dude, I love it. I love it. So sevenfigurmillennials.com forward slash start for uh, a recap of the Magic Connection Method, as well as, of course, the uh, training on uh, using that connection method for referrals. And then, of course, Spotify, Apple, you know, uh, iTunes, wherever for Seven Figure Millennials. Great podcast. You know, make sure you go check it out. Brandon does a phenomenal job, as you can tell. I I really enjoyed spending time with you, and I I loved uh, diving into some unusual topics for me. I'd say, and I've I've been on hundreds of podcasts, and I've never talked about the things that you and I talked about. So great job. Love that. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah, it's been a blast. I'm looking forward to everyone to check it out. And my secret sauce is I spend sometimes 15 hours researching one guest. So that's that's what makes it that's what makes it unscalable, but also how I can produce what I produce. Because you listening, if you decide to check it out, you are so important to me. I may not know who you are, but I believe that people's lives can change from listening to podcasts. My life has absolutely been changed from podcasts, and I believe that people like Rob have a mission and stories to tell that can really impact the world. And so I view it as kind of like my responsibility to pull it out of them. So thank you again, Rob, for coming on because that was it was a great interview. Thanks, brother. Great having you on and uh, really excited to uh, get this message out to folks. So thanks again. For, for sure. Thank you.